You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary opened up a new way of living for us, a new way for us to approach God by faith. Say it out loud, what? By faith. Works, sacrificial offerings, or repetitious prayers are no longer needed to obtain salvation or forgiveness. We don't have to earn it, deserve it, work for it. It's already paid for completely. You've probably done it. Ran around your house frantically cleaning things up before company came over. Why? Because you want to seem put together and responsible. You want people to think well of you. In today's teaching, Pastor Dion says that you don't need to do this with God. When Jesus died on the cross, the necessity to follow certain rules and participate in rituals died with Him. What you do or don't do doesn't matter. Jesus implores you to come as you are, mess and all, so you can find rest. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 23, with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Well, I'll ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We have been going through the Gospel of Luke chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And um, we are in the last chapter. Everybody say it, last chapter. We're in the last chapter and we kind of already know how the story ends, but there are so many details in the last chapter that enhance what we already know. And so I'm hoping that uh, we will walk through it slowly And I'll point out a few of the facts, and hopefully it will enhance the story that you already know and what Jesus did on the cross and the power of his resurrection. Well, guys, about 700 years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah described the mission that the Messiah would have. So 700 years before Jesus, a prophet is inspired by God, and given some details about what the Messiah would do when he came. That messenger was Isaiah. In one chapter, chapter 61, Isaiah wrote that the Messiah will be anointed of God to preach the good news. He will comfort the brokenhearted. He will deliver the demonized. He will heal the sick. He will cure the incurable. He will free those who are burdened. Wow. Then in another chapter, chapter 53, Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would be beaten, bruised, and tortured. He wrote that the Messiah would not argue or defend himself, but that he would be cut off. Say those two words, what? Cut off. Isaiah wrote he would die with criminals and be buried with the rich. But there is still one more detail, one last miracle on Isaiah's list that I've reserved. It's a miracle that would extend all the way to the here and now. Are you ready to hear about that last miracle? Here we go. Go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, here we go. Now, last time we were together, we watched an innocent Jesus carry a criminal's cross 
without argument, without apprehension, to a crucifixion site. Jesus drug that cross through the crowd of hateful people. He was nailed to it by ruthless Roman soldiers. All the while, He was praying for their lost souls. Here's what Jesus prayed. Say it with me. Father, forgive them. Say it again. Father, forgive them. As He was hanging there, praying. Crucifixion was a prolonged death. It was death by asphyxiation. Death by suffocation. The design of crucifixion was that all the upper body weight be distributed to your chest cavity. So it would collapse the lungs. As long as your arm muscles had strength, as long as that strength lasted, you could pull yourself back enough to take a breath and breathe. But once your arm strength was gone, your shoulders would separate from their sockets. And in order to breathe, you'd have to push yourself up off the spike driven through your feet. It was until the inevitable where there was no more strength to push up off of that spike, and you could no longer breathe, and you'd suffocate. For six hours, Jesus hung in agony. But He refused to die until our salvation was secure. When God accepted Jesus' blood as the payment for our sin, Jesus cried out these words. Say them out loud with me. It is finished. Say it again. It is finished. In fact, John, who was the only disciple at the crucifixion, he recorded the incident. Here's what John saw and wrote. John chapter 19. Jesus knew that His mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, He said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in the wine, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. Now I'm going to pause right there. This same wine had been offered to Jesus another time before. During the time he was hanging on the cross. The sour wine was a painkiller. A pain reliever. But Jesus refused it all the other times. Refused it simply because He wanted to bear the full brunt of suffering. The full brunt of the pain. The full brunt of our suffering. And He refused it. But this time, He said, I'm thirsty. They held it up to His mouth and He took a sip. When Jesus had tasted it, He said, everybody out loud, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Say it again. It is finished. You and I are not the best about finishing things. Hmm? You and I have a lot of unfinished business around us. You know, the book that you started to read. The savings account that you opened intending to put money in it. The diet you began the gym membership you bought, the garage is still half-organized, the yard is still half-landscaped, the trim is still unpainted, the car is still on blocks, and that home project, well, it's still. Everybody said it's what? It's still. We have a lot 
of unfinished business. We don't finish a lot of things. But there are a couple of things that are finished. One is our salvation. Say it out loud. What? Our salvation. The debt was paid for. Our salvation was paid for completely. That's the first thing. That's enough to cheer right there all by itself, right? Our salvation completely paid. But there's another thing that was paid for. Finished. Your rehab. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you need rehab. Go ahead and look at them. Yes, our rehab was paid for completely. Jesus paid the full price for our salvation and for our sanctification. It's been paid in full. Paid in advance. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 says this, And so, dear brothers, now we may walk right into the very holy of holies where God is because of the blood of Jesus. This is a fresh, new, life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us by tearing the curtain, His human body, to let us into the holy presence of God. Yeah! Through His blood. His blood paid for our salvation and paid for a whole new way of life. Not just for a new position in Christ Jesus, but for a whole new way of life. A righteous way of life. His blood paid for it in advance for you and you and you. Look at your neighbor and say, and you! That is so awesome. Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary opened up a new way of living for us a new way for us to approach God. By faith. Say it out loud, what? By faith. Works, sacrificial offerings, or repetitious prayers are no longer needed to obtain salvation or forgiveness. We don't have to earn it, deserve it, work for it. It's already paid for completely. All we have to do is this. Everybody say the word. Believe. Say it again. That's it. Look at your neighbor and say, that's it. That's it. This promise was confirmed when one of the criminals crucified next to Jesus put his faith in Jesus. Jesus gave that lifetime criminal an amazing promise. Here's what he told him. Here's the promise. Say it with me. You will be with me in paradise. No works, no having to try to earn it or deserve it. Nothing at all. All that criminal did was believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus confirmed that His blood was enough to pay for our salvation and to pay for our sanctification. He looked at that man and said, Today, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that awesome, guys? I think that is so cool. Paid for. Lifetime criminal. A whole life of wasting his life, of splurging and and living wickedly and riotously and partying and thieving and doing malfeasance to people. But here it is. Down on the wire, he puts his faith in Christ. And Christ paid, your salvation is paid for because you believed. Isn't that awesome? I, I think that's so good. 
Jesus' death on the cross promises a miracle to whosoever believes. Here's what he'll do. He'll justify you. Say it out loud. What? Justify. Just as if you never sinned. That's what that criminal was offered. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Just as if he never sinned. That's the miracle that's provided through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He'll justify us. But, what proof do we have that Jesus made good on His promise to that penitent thief? I mean, we're reading the story and we think, I mean, what proof do we have that Jesus promised that He's going to be with Him in paradise? What proof do we have that it actually happened? That it could happen? Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good question. Well, let's just leave it there and move on. Shortly after Jesus made that promise, he released his spirit. Jesus died. Now, usually after death, crucified criminals were either left on the cross for the vultures to feast on their carcasses, or, or if it was close to a religious holiday, the bodies would be taken down from the cross and discarded at the city dump. A landfill that was outside of the city of Jerusalem called Gehenna. Well, since Passover, a religious holiday, was about to start the day Jesus was crucified, since it was about to start at sunset, Jesus' body was removed from the cross and it was going to be carted off to the city landfill. It was at this juncture of the story that two undercover Christians decided to shine. Everybody say, undercover! Two undercover Christians decided to shine. Finally, let's read the passage. Chapter 23, verse 50, where we left off last week. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed about killing Jesus. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of a rock where no man had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So here we have the fact that Joseph of Arimathea who was a wealthy man. Jesus has been crucified. They're about to remove his body and cart it off to the local landfill. But Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man and a member of the Sanhedrin council, he was one of Israel's religious leaders. But remember, the passage said that he didn't vote for Jesus' execution. But he went along with the council to execute Jesus out of peer pressure. 
Luke in the passage doesn't mention who the other covert Christian was with Joseph, but John in his record named the guy, his name was Nicodemus. John chapter 19, verse 38, it says this, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, everybody say it, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, that's the first Nick at night program that happened, he came to Jesus by night, he also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, around a hundred pounds, and then they took the body of Jesus, bound it with strips of linen, when with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury their dead. So both Joe and Nick had come to believe in Jesus as Messiah. They're both religious leaders, but they had both come to believe Jesus as Messiah, but they kept their faith a secret. Everybody say that word out loud or what? A secret. Go ahead and go like this to your neighbor. They kept it a secret. You see, Joe and Nick were afraid of persecution, isolation, rejection. They were afraid of losing their job, losing their reputation, losing their friends. Hey, they were afraid of possibly losing their lives. After all, Jesus was public enemy number one. There are some people who keep Jesus on the DL for fear of becoming a loser. Keeping Jesus on the down low. See, they fear that their identification or affiliation with Jesus will cost them. Will cost them a relationship. I'm going to tell him that I am a believer, but I'm, I want to wait for the relationship to mature a little bit. I want to tell her that I am a Christian, but I, I don't want her to think differently or see me differently. I want to tell my boss that I'm a Christian, but I'm going to do it Eventually, they fear their identification or affiliation will cost them a relationship, a position, a reputation, an opportunity. They fear it will cost them some kind of privilege. So they keep their relationship with Jesus on the low, low. Everybody said on the what? On the low, low. Listen. No one wants to be a backroom affair. I'm going to say it again. No one wants to be a backroom affair. We all crave to be acknowledged, to be recognized, to be introduced. And so does Jesus. He doesn't want to be a backroom affair. In fact, Jesus himself said it like this in one of his teachings. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Jesus was about to be taken out with the trash. And that's when Joseph and Nicodemus claimed Jesus. They took ownership of their faith. Everybody said out loud, they finally owned it. They finally owned it. They had it on the down low. Keeping it on the low low. 
Don't want to upset any of our friends. Don't want to drain any of those relationships. I don't want to be the next guy on the cross. Keep it on the low, low. They had done that. But now they owned it. It was almost too late. But thank God they swallowed their pride and they tanked their reputations. Thank God they did because Jesus' own disciples, I mean, they abandoned Jesus like that. I mean, Jesus' disciples, they left Him like a fart at a party. You know what I'm saying? They just they moved out of sight in a hurry not to be noticed. At some stage in our lives, there will be a defining moment where we will be challenged to own our faith, to speak up and confess to peel off the cowardice and shine. At one point in our life, at some point, there's going to be that defining moment to shine. Everybody said to what? To shine. Jesus encouraged us like this. He said, let your light so everybody shine. Don't keep it under a bushel, but on a lampstand so everyone can see it. I'm reminded, and I tell the story the first defining moment for me, I was in high school. And I wanted to be a good witness for Christ. And I was taking my Bible so I could read it at school. But I didn't want anybody to see it. So I made sure that it had a really nice book cover on it. And when I put it in my desk, I would tuck it far behind so it would not even be identified as, you know, what kind of book is that? And... There was that defining moment as I was feeling the tension of the Holy Spirit. I was keeping Jesus. He was a backroom affair. And I finally just got the courage by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what He does. I tore that book cover off, and from then on I started not just walking around with it, but I made sure to put my book inside the desk so that everyone could see the spine that it's an amplified Bible. And then, now wait a minute. And it opened up so many doors of opportunity. Why why, why are you carrying that Bible here at school? Well, let me tell you why. This is the hope of my faith. Opened so many opportunities. That was a defining moment for me. Every single one of you will have a defining moment where you will stand and say, confessing your faith, identifying with Christ, Holding on to his values. That's what Joseph and Nicodemus did. They pulled that smoldering wick out from under the covers and they let it shine. Everybody say, finally! But they let it shine. I don't know what ramifications Joseph and Nicodemus faced standing up and claiming Jesus. I don't know if they were unfriended on Facebook. I don't know if they were excommunicated from the church. I don't know if they were shunned socially or fired from their jobs. But I do know that Jesus turned whatever sorrow they did experience into joy. Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth. We're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Gospel of Luke. There's much more to learn from this narrative of Jesus' life, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we'd like to extend an invitation for you to join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. 
Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with one another. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study beginning at 7. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com. And tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Luke and discover more about Jesus and what his life and ministry means to you. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. So let us join our hands and together we stand together.